coronavirus thing, whether we think it's super serious, whether we don't think it's a serious, whatever spectrum we're on, I know there's a ton of different opinions about it. The reality is that it has affected all of us in a certain way, whether it's loved ones that we know that have actually got the virus, whether it's businesses that have been hurt, whether it's people that have lost their jobs, whether people are just getting going stir crazy from being inside, quarantined. It's just been a thing that has affected all of us. And one thing, God, that I've continued to wrestle with is I don't necessarily think that everything happens for a reason. I'm not a person that believes that, but what I do believe is that you can use anything. I, I believe, God, that you are a God that can choose to use whatever you want to. And sometimes things just happen, and sometimes there's things that we just can't control. This is when one of those things, a global crisis that we have experienced. And so what I, choose, what I ask God is that you would allow us to be able to have a fire that starts in our hearts through this whole thing. As we recognize that we've been quarantined, may you just light a fire in our hearts that we want to be in community again. And we want to be with people it's just been such a, a difficult time, I think, because we desire to be together. And churches looked a lot different across the world the last two to three months, where it's been online, it's been podcast, all that stuff. And, and to be honest, I'm just getting kind of tired of online stuff. I want to be around people. I want to be in community. And that's what I ask God throughout this whole thing, that the burning desire is that we desire to have community again. As we start to open everything, we're obviously all walking through this together, God, and I just ask that you'd continue to give us patience as we try to discover and figure out what you want from us, God. What we do know is you're in control, you've always been in control, and this will always be about you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We lift you high. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, like I said, we're so grateful to have everybody back. It's going to be an interesting thing. We were looking at signups and who's all coming, and obviously it's going to take um, different levels of comfortability as people start to come back. We know that. We're fully aware that this is going to be an interesting season. Um, we know of a lot of people that are going to start feeling comfortable once the fall hits. That's a ways away. So it could be like this for a while. We just ask that you'd continue to be patient as we don't have all the answers, that's for sure. We don't know exactly what this is going to look like. Um, for some time, but we are grateful for you guys coming here, and we're grateful for people that are watching online. We're so we're just so happy to be um, to have have church to continue to come together. And I think, as I've said, this has been one of the cool things is it's constantly shown us that church really is just a group of people coming together, or a group of people being together for a cause. So this whole online thing has been interesting. But what we know is we have been doing church because we have been pursuing Jesus through our digital media. And so it's just, it is great to be back together though. So I wanted to give you two quick announcements really fast. I'm taking up too much time. The first one is June 7th is Senior Sunday. We know that not everybody necessarily will feel comfortable coming back, but what we want to do is if you do have a senior and they're not on the list, we want to make sure that you get them, if you're watching online or in here, we want to make sure that you get them signed up on the list because we want to highlight them no matter what. So if they're not here, we'll figure a way to get them up on the screens. We just want to make sure we're able to highlight every senior. That's coming up. 
the second thing is if you've been just, you're just going stir crazy and you're like, man, I really want to get back out there. We have a missions trip opportunity that is still on. And so it's the war missions trip and it is going to be a unique opportunity to serve. And so if you want more information about that, please make sure that you go and you get signed up for that. Lastly, I'm going to have everyone stand up and greet each other. No, I'm not going to have everyone stand up and greet each other. Actually, that was Luis's joke, but I just wanted to steal it. I'm surprised I actually gave you credit for it. Why don't you stand up and do a pageant wave to everybody, and then we'll begin worship this morning.
No, we can celebrate that. Welcome back. Yes, that's totally okay. Um, I can tell you that we have missed you. I have missed you just about in this room. We've had a camera over here. We've had a camera there. There we've moved up instruments upstairs and recorded stuff there. And, and man, it is just so refreshing to be in this room together. And you guys sound amazing. I can tell you guys have still been practicing. Definitely, you guys sound great. But I'm not going to talk too much. I just wanted to tell you, welcome back and remind you that this space, that this space is yours. Um, yes, we know there's crazy stuff out there. We know what's happening. But I can tell you what's happening in here. In here, we are surrounded by people who love each other, who people who love God. And yes, we're all in different um, paths in our walk with Christ. We all know that we're not on the same spot. And, and that's the beauty of it the beauty that we can all still be together in this and we're all still loved so man i'm just i'm just so pumped welcome back and let's sing together guys all things have passed away your love has
together as a community to worship you, to be in your presence. We thank you that if there's anything that this has proven is that it doesn't matter where we are, your relationship with us remains the same. And we can hold on to that cornerstone and believe in it. this room, we just want to lift you up and tell you that we're so grateful and that we love you. We love you, Father. And all these people said, well, all these people said, hey, man, awesome. Friends, thank you so much for being here. Don't greet each other. Go ahead and take a seat. morning, Waypoint. My name is Austin, and I am, I'm just so glad to be here with you guys this morning. As I, I believe most of you are glad to be here too. Maybe you're like, oh man, Austin. Oh. I'm a student pastor here. I'm just kidding. You guys aren't feeling like that, right? No way. No way. We're in church. We're together. Finally. It's super cool. I love it. I'm grateful for this opportunity because I believe God, um, man, it's just been something I've been really, this whole message I've been really wrestling with for quite some time, and I, I really believe God has uh, put something on my heart to share with you all this morning. So, welcome. I can't wait, but brace yourselves. It's, it's going to be a ride. Um, but before we get started, I, I, I want to pray. So I invite you guys to uh, pray with me uh, before we dive in here. So, let's pray. Lord, 
thank you for this morning. We praise you, God. Thank you for this opportunity. Lord, I just pray for your grace and your mercy as I communicate your words, God. As I try to communicate your words. Lord, I just pray that uh, we have ears and hearts um, that are ready for them. God, I pray for your, your comforting peace and presence in this place this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, all right, so I've, um, I'm a little nervous. This is my second time doing this, all right? So we'll get, I've gone to the bathroom like five times already, six times. I went in between the services. So, uh, I'm, but I'm excited. I am. I'm really excited to be up here. But first, before, before we go any deeper, because we're going to get deep. Before we go any deeper, I just want to take a second to um, just, just really give, some, give a round of applause for our teaching pastors. Okay, so can we, just, can we just clap for them? Nick, Mike, Blair, Mitchell teaches sometimes with me too. But the last time I had this opportunity, I, I completely unintentionally called them all lame. And I, if you remember that, um, I didn't mean to. Because sometimes I just I say things that sound better in my head than how they're said. So um, if you know me, you know I say the phrase, know what I, know what I mean, not what I say, often. So that's, that's what happened. And I just want to say that... Uh, they're great communicators, and they're all absolutely fun. Yes, including Blair. Blair's a fun guy. All right, you guys should know that. He's hilarious. But today we're going to be diving into Paul's letter to the Romans. Okay, and Paul is going to invite us um, into what I think is somewhat of a paradox in how we process suffering and hardship and God's role um, in our lives at those times. Um, so, that's what we're going to be diving into, but before we do that, before we dive into that even more, I want to take a second to introduce you to um, something of mine. And so uh, maybe, maybe you don't need to be introduced to this, but this is C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia, and these happen to be my favorite books. So yes, some of my favorite books are children's books, and some of you are not surprised by that, and that's, that's good. That is a good thing. Okay, but, but I, I just want to take a second because these books are awesome. And the reason I, the reason I wanted to um, introduce you to this is because there's, there's one book um, in particular that is, my, that is my favorite. And it's called The Magician's Nephew. That is not The Magician's Nephew. Where are we at? The Magician's Nephew. Um, and I, first of all, I love C.S. Lewis books because they're, they're just an incredible allegory of God's story. Like C.S. Lewis just had this brilliant mind. I um, mean, he was an awesome just theologian and... The guy was deep. And so he wrote these children books, and these, these books are an allegory. The Magician's Nephew specifically is an allegory for the story of creation in Genesis, which also happens to be like one of, it's, it's my favorite scripture in, in the Bible. So, but that's not why this is my favorite book. This is, this is my favorite book in the series, and quite honestly, one of my, one of my favorite books um, ever, um, because there is this particular scene in this book that has stuck with me for a, for a very long time, um, and it's my favorite because it's it's this great depiction of this feeling I have sometimes, and this and this feeling I think we all have sometimes, and that's the feeling of grief or anguish. And so during this quarantine, I, I found myself picking picking this book up again and reading it. And as I started reading, in the process of reading Romans eight um, and wrestling with this message. 
I, I could not get this scene in this book out of, out of my head. And so you see, this book is, this book is about a, a boy named Diggory, okay, whose life has, has taken a turn for the worse, and his old way of life has been, has been taken from him, and he's in a place of uncertainty. He's in a place of loneliness where sickness and um, suffering is seemingly taking everything from him, including his mother. But there's this moment in the book. There's this moment in the book where after he's been portaled to this, to this whole new world, to a new world, he witnesses, he witnesses this world be sung into creation by the breath of this great, beautiful, terrifying lion. And there's this moment when Diggory has this opportunity to confront this lion, and he remembers his far-off home, all the grief, the suffering, and his dying mother, and he wells up with tears before, before the, this, these enormous lion paws, and in despair, he, he pleads, he pleads for his mother, because there's something great about this lion. And in despair, he looks up into the eyes of this lion, and he's stunned. He's stunned. He's stunned because when he looks up into the eyes of this lion, this terrifying lion, there are these great shining tears. And it's this, it's this moment in the book where Great shining tears stood in the lion's eyes. They were such big, bright tears compared with Diggory's own. For that moment, he felt as if the lion must really be sorrier about his mother than he was himself. For many of us, these past couple months have been filled with moments of uncertainty, disappointment, sadness, fear, and suffering as we've experienced things like unemployment, sickness, division, and loss. And if that hasn't been your experience lately, have you been there before? Has there been a moment in your journey where you found yourself in grief, pleading to God? These are difficult times as Christians to navigate, and especially difficult times to have faith in sometimes, right? Yet this is precisely the kind of moment where C.S. Lewis is, is depicting the possibility that God is actually much closer than the loneliness that we feel. It is precisely the moment, in that moment, where, we, where I believe we can ha- have a very profound moment, a very profound feeling of God's presence instead of his absence, which is, which is what we feel sometimes, and most times when we experience that stuff. And so where is God? Where is God in our grief and in our suffering as Christians? Where is God? This is what Paul is going to invite us to consider in Romans chapter 8. So this letter, this letter to Romans, to the Romans that Paul wrote, um, it was written to a group of people who were experiencing some very difficult circumstances because you have a church, you have a church who's, who's, con- who's made up of Jewish Christians and non-Jewish Christians trying to get along under the immense persecution of Rome. In fact, the Jews were, were exiled from Rome from a, for a period of time before this, le- before this letter was written. So Paul writes in verse 18, he says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed 
in us. And I, I totally invite you guys, if you have your Bible with you this morning, if you've got it on your phone, I, I invite you to um, open that up and, and follow along with me here. This is, a, this is good stuff to be reading. So Paul, Paul here, and I'm sorry we just have to dive in. Like, I apologize for that. But what Paul is doing here is he's, 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 he's finished this, this idea, and now he's wrapping it up. So he's summarizing this big idea here, and he'll, he'll later go on and explore it a little deeper. But he's summarizing the idea of the Christian experience of suffering and hardship. Now, what's key in reading Paul's letters, really any, any of Paul's letters, is understanding that Paul has a story in his mind. Paul has a story in his mind that, that forms the way that he thinks about the world, the way he thinks about history, the way he thinks about like, our, the meaning of our lives. Like He has this story in his mind as, share, as he's sharing that, and he gets this story from the Hebrew Scriptures. So in verse 18, he talks about, he talks about the present moment. And what does Paul say? The, what is the present moment? What does Paul say the present, the present moment is? My middle schoolers are better. Come on, what does Paul say the present moment is? What is it? Suffering. You guys thought it'd be, it's, it's gonna get happy, don't worry about it. He'll go on. Suffering, suffering, okay? Present moment. And, and we, we, can, we can actually kind of understand this, can't we? Because Paul's talking about this because he, he knows our suffering is real, <clears throat> Our suffering is real, and, it's, and it shouldn't be ignored. But that it also needs to be put into this, this perspective of a bigger picture, right? It needs to be put into perspective of a bigger story. Because we know that this isn't the end of the story, right? Because right here in this verse, the end of the story is what? What is the end of the story? Glory. Compared with the glory that will be revealed to us. The end of the story is, is glory. And, and, and so we have the present moment, suffering. We've got the end of the story, which is the glory that will be revealed to us. But where did this begin? Where do we begin? In the beginning. Exactly, like for real, in the, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the, right, back page one of the Bible. In the, that's where this story begins. Right, and it's this whole paragraph in Romans 8, 18 through 27, is actually Paul's reflecting on Genesis 1 through 3. And he's reflecting on this because Paul knows how that story, how this story helps us to understand what happened on the cross and how God wants to be in relationship with us. And actually, for, for those of you who don't, Blair did a series on Genesis 1 through like 5, I think, not too long, like in January, February, and it was awesome. And I would encourage you guys, if you, didn't, if you didn't get that series or listen to it, go back and listen to it on Facebook or on our podcast because it was incredible. So that's what Paul's reflecting on here. He's reflecting on Genesis 1 through 3, like the creation story, okay? Because he knows how important it is, all right? And so here we, he's referring back to the fact that this, this story didn't begin with suffering, you guys. The story begins with God speaking and forming a world that is good. Seven times good, in fact, right? And so then we see God, he gives co-ownership and co-rulership to these unique beings, beings that are made in his image, and to reflect that image out onto the world as they cultivate it and as they grow it. However, these beings, they rebel, right? Spoiler alert, okay, if you didn't know that. These humans, these beings, they rebel and decide to define good and evil for themselves apart from God. And so because humans gave in to evil, the consequences 
of that evil ushered our world into a time of suffering, but the story doesn't end here. Paul goes on. For creation, for the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. And this is, this is actually a really cool connection that Paul is making here because he's reflecting on the fact that human beings have been given the role of stewards and image bearers in the story on our world. And when humans rebelled and became compromised by sin, evil, that evil had drastic consequences on the created world around us. And the creation that Paul is referring to here isn't humans. Okay, it's, it's, it's the birds, it's the trees, it's the insects, it's, it's the non-human creation, it's the non-human world. He says creation was subjected, not by its own choice, because, because what, have, what have the birds and trees ever done? To insects, besides mosquitoes, I mean, I'm pretty sure those things like came after evil entered our, entered our world. But, you know, what have the birds and the trees ever done? So Paul is reiterating that we are in this part of the story where creation is waiting. And what's it waiting for? It's waiting to be liberated. Well, when? When human beings are liberated and when human beings are brought into the glory of a new creation. So this whole chapter, this whole chapter Paul is getting to here is that, is, is Jesus. It's the moment on the cross. It's about God entering into humanity in the person of the Son and is, and is taking, actually taking in, into himself all of the sin and the consequences of that evil that's leading this world into decay. All of the consequences of that evil in the form of death and he carries that burden for us. He carries that burden for us. And in Jesus' resurrection from the dead, it actually opened up a whole new chapter in this story where the end of the story isn't suffering, this present moment. It isn't bondage and death, but instead being brought into the glory of a new creation. And so Jesus' resurrection of, is, is this preview of the story that God has planned for the whole of creation. So where do we find ourselves in this story? Today, May 17th, where do we find ourselves in this story, right? Because did, did any of you guys, did anyone wake up this morning feeling like they're, they're the new creation? I mean, I, it was tough waking up this morning. I can tell you that. I did not, when I woke up this morning, I was like, oh my goodness, it's Sunday. Okay, right? No, like, I, I, don't, have to, I don't have to tell you that. I don't, I don't have to tell you that we're, we're not inhabiting this new creation yet. Now, don't get me wrong. I definitely cannot deny the beauty in this world and the beautiful, amazing experiences that we can have with one another and that we can have through each other because that is totally glorious. But I also know I don't have to tell you that we live in a world that is deeply marred by bondage and death don't have to tell you that. We've experienced that. But we know that this isn't the end of the story. Like the end of the story is not in question, right? Like Jesus will return. Jesus will return and set everything right. But in the same time, we find ourselves living in a world and in bodies and in relationships that are still broken and, and screwed up. 
So, so, so what does this mean for us? What does it mean to live in this part of the story? After the rescue, but before the completion. Where is God in all of this? So Paul continues in verse 22. He says, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Could Paul have chosen a more painful metaphor here? The answer, the answer is no, just so you know that. Like, no! And I don't even feel like I should be talking about this. Like, if, if there's a mother in the room, like, you know, like, there, there, there is nothing more painful a human can undergo in this moment. Like, childbirth is one of the most painful experiences a human can undergo, but here, Paul isn't even talking about humans yet. He's going to get there, but he's offering to us this metaphor of our world groaning and shuddering in pain, as if the pains of childbirth. Now, let's think about this for a second, because why would Paul use this metaphor of childbirth? Like, he's a smart guy. Like, why couldn't he say, like, just in the pains of getting punched in the gut or something like that, Right? still painful. Paul is specific here. Childbirth, being excruciatingly painful as it is, it's also ideally, tragically not always in this broken world we live in, but ideally, ideally this this experience that brings forth new life. And that is exactly why, why Paul uses this metaphor. It's to offer this idea that God is birthing a whole new creation out of the womb of this old broken world. And so it's going to be a very anguished, pain-filled process. I mean, consider, consider how it was initially redeemed, like the cross. Like suffering. So the whole creation is groaning, as in the pains of childbirth. But there's hope. Hope of new life, right? There's hope. And it's not just the non-human groaning. Paul goes on in verse 23. He says, not only so, but we, we ourselves who have the first fruit of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. So creation itself is broken and groaning, and within that are broken and groaning Christians. People who have the first fruit of the Spirit, Paul says. And, and, and what does that mean? What, what is the first fruits of the Spirit. We've got God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit in page one of the Bible, hovering and moving and creating life, that same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And Paul says we have this within us, and it's that very same Spirit that one day will bring us into a new creation and our world along with us. So Paul says we have the first fruits of the Spirit. And for many of us, this, this phrase makes sense to us, right? Because this might be some language we understand, like being, we're sur- cor- Indiana, corn, right? Cornfields. We know farmers, most of us do, if you don't. Uh, it's the first fruit here is the idea of having a small portion, a small portion of what is to come. And so today, those of us who follow Jesus, we, we have this in our lives, and it's, and it's this spirit that is working in us and growing us to grow fruit in our lives. I mean, have you, have you guys ever experienced a moment where you actually did something right? Like where you actually did something loving and kind because you love Jesus? And you're just like, oh my goodness, that was amazing. How did I do that? What in the world? Like I, I, I said something loving and kind when I really just, I really just wanted to like 
say something horrible to that person. We have these moments. And Paul's like, yes, that's a little bit of the new spirit in you. That's a little bit of new creation growing in you. Celebrate that. That's the spirit making you into a human being. That is the first fruit. And Paul frequently talks about how followers of Jesus, um, with his spirit, we can, have the fruit of, we can have the fruit of peace and joy and kindness, right? And live this victorious Christian life. But don't forget that Paul, this is coming from a person who experienced immense persecution, who experienced imprisonment, who experienced suffering. And he's telling us we can have peace. The reality is, he's saying this, the reality is because as as followers of Jesus, we are going to have moments in our life where we experience grief and suffering. If you haven't already, we are going to have moments in our life, most of us have. Some of you know this all too well. Paul knew this all too well. And so he wanted to give us a category for those times when we spend groaning over the tragedy of our world and over the tragedies that happen in our lives and in the lives of those we love when we're mourning. So what do we do in those moments? What do we do in those moments when we don't feel peace, when we don't feel joy, when we don't feel love? Like we're living like we aren't living this victorious Christian life that we were promised. And Paul's response to that is that being a Christian, being a follower of Jesus, is learning to live in hope. In verse 24, Paul goes on, he says, for this, for in this hope, we were saved. In the hope of the resurrection, in the hope of the new creation because of what Jesus did for us, in this hope, we are saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? And like as we read this, it might might sound kind of silly. Like who hopes for what they already have? Like I'm not sitting here on this chair hoping that I have a chair to sit on, right? Like it's just kind of a silly idea. Because hope is this desire for something that you don't fully possess. It's anticipating a future that is better than the present. And so as Jesus followers, we are people who are full of hope, full of the hope of of new life. We're full of this idea that we know the story does not end here. This isn't where the story ends. So as Christians, it's living in hope because we have the living hope, as Luke refers to. When he's going to come, and he will come, and bring justice and, and peace and make right all the wrongs in our world. And so Paul says, he continues in verse 25, he says, but if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. We wait for it patiently. And there are many words in the Greek and Hebrew language for hope, but the most common ones that are used actually mean to wait. To wait. So we wait. What do we do? We wait, and we groan along with the world and creation. Because, you guys, this is actually a very normal and important part of being a Christian. Here's why. Because the Spirit has a very important role role to play in, in those moments in our lives. 
In fact, it's a key role that the Spirit plays in the moments in our lives. It's very important. In verse 26, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses because we don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. So we've got the world groaning, believers are groaning, and with us, the Spirit is groaning too. With us, the Spirit is groaning too. I, I know, I know this is, this is a, a deep thought for our, our first gathering back. But it's so important, friends, that we, that we begin to understand that in the midst of of our suffering in the midst of our groaning world, we are being made new. And we have this hope, Jesus, this living hope. But yet still, we're also in a broken world of suffering and death. And so we're going to experience things like grief, anguish, suffering, And we're going to have these moments where we feel like everything is just going horribly wrong. Where God couldn't possibly be farther from us. And Paul invites us to consider the idea that in those moments, God is closest to you. That his spirit is groaning alongside you. Feeling what you feel. His eyes are filled with great shining tears. we all experience and will experience suffering and hardship. And it's because, it's because of the tragedy of, of God's good world being ruined that we end up with these, with these emotions of disappointment and this pain that we just simply can't put words to sometimes. And so these feelings and emotions, guys, they're a very real part of who we are, of who we were created to be. So if you're constantly just stuffing them or ignoring them and pretending like you're not there, you're actually cutting off a whole part of you that God made. So in our wordless groaning, these emotions, these feelings that we can't even put words to sometimes, God is in that, you guys. Actually, the Spirit is the one groaning alongside you, interceding for you, because the Spirit knows what to pray. And I'm not, this, this isn't about speaking in tongues or in, in other languages here. No, I don't think that's what Paul was getting, getting to here. What I think Paul was, was getting to here is that there are moments in our lives where we are going to experience pain and suffering when we are so hurt and so much pain about what's going on in our world, what's going on in the lives of, of those we love, what's going on in our own lives. where the grief, the pain, the anguish is words just can't express. In those moments, the spirit, my friends, the spirit knows your heart. And his spirit comes alongside you and wraps itself around you and intercedes for you, communicates for you. The spirit knows the prayers of your heart. And it's just like in those heart-wrenching movies where you see this little kid weeping because he's lost something he's loved so much, and then you see him weeping in the arms of his mother, and his mother's just like, I know. I know. 
It's going to be okay, I know. It's those moments. It's those moments, but even more than that, the spirit in those moments is moving and growing you into a new human being. Because God's saying, here's someone who actually cares about what I care about. Here's someone whose heart breaks for what breaks mine. Yes, I can work with this. So the Spirit comes alongside us in those moments. Comes alongside us in those moments. And grieves with us. And when we remember that we have this hope. Hope that God can birth something new out of the tragedy of our world. So we take these emotions. We take these feelings that arise within us and we don't stuff it, we don't ignore them. We talk, we gotta, God wants you guys to be healthy people. So we do something with these emotions, with these feelings. We use it as an invitation to go and pray, even when you don't know what to pray about because it doesn't matter. If you have your Bible, read verse 27. I challenge you guys. Go ahead and finish off this paragraph. Read verse 27 because it says it right there. God's spirit translates the prayers of our hearts, friends. So even when you don't know what to pray, go to him. I don't know, I don't know where this lands with you today. I pray that it did. I pray it landed somewhere. I mean, <clears throat> who hasn't, who has not experienced, who hasn't been here at some point in their life? Maybe you're in that season right now. I know for me, it was, I wrestled with this message because I am, I am in this season. My heart breaks for the tragedy that surrounds us and how it affects the people I care about. There's, a, <clears throat> there's this song. There's a song that I think portrays um, these feelings that we have sometimes. Um, and so uh, I'm just going to encourage you guys, reflect in this moment. Take some time to reflect as we listen, as we listen to this song. say, God, I do not understand this world. Everything is dying and broken. Why do I see nothing but suffering? God, I'm asking, could this be your plan? Sin has taken hold of this whole Will you not say anything to me? He said, where were you the day that I measured? Sunk the bent and stretched the line over all the earth and carved out its cornerstone. 
spoken, told the sun to split the night open, caused the morning dark with its light to show. Who shut in the ocean with stone doors, marked the reach of tides on those new shores, hung the day the waves rose and first broke forth. Have you seen the springs of the great sea? Walk the caverns carved in the black deep Through the gates of darkness there on its floor Have you seen the armory of hope? Snow and hail are stocked up in silos For the times of trouble and war Can you raise your voice to the storm cloud? Would the thunder answer and ring out? Does the lightning ask you where it should strike? Who has clapped the channels for torrents? Rain to sprout the desert with the forest in the So, in the moments when we are crying out to God, because we're in these seasons where we don't understand what's going on around us, God, why am I going through this? God, where are you? People are sick. God, where are you? People are hurting. When our hearts are broken because there's, there's suffering, there's racism, there's, there's suicide. And we get in these seasons and we cry out to God. Friends, he's with us. When we are feeling those things, that is what he feels He knows the hair. How many hairs you have on your head? 
He knew your name before it was spoken. You don't think he cares about what's going on in your life? He's there weeping with you, great shining tears. And then we remember all these questions we have. And we see the beauty of the creation. We see the glory that is in this world. We experience it. And we remember, oh my goodness, God, this is magnificent. And you knelt and answered me. God literally bent over, came from heaven, joined us, experienced some of the most painful suffering a human being can experience. He answered us. And in that moment, we were given the living hope, the first fruits of the Spirit. Experiences to cherish and hold on to and cling to. New life. Babies, marriage, kids growing up. Beautiful experiences. We grow into new human beings with this help. When we hold on to that hope, because he's holding on to you. Hold tight, friends. This isn't the end of the story. I love you. We love you. We are so glad that you joined us this morning. We're praying for you. If you guys need prayer, reach out to us. Thank you for being here. We get to see each other next week. (laughs) Yeah, it's exciting. So I'm thankful. Guys, thank you so much for being here. I love you. Have a good week. Great rest of your week, okay? Adios. Never far